All right. Today we talked with Caroline. Let's hear a quick intro. I'm Caroline Williams. I'm the founder of the Do Good Only Company. I'm based out of Rotterdam, the Netherlands. And I play banjo, cause trouble. And my whole goal is busting every single system that has anything to do with data and AI that is unequal. So welcome back to another edition of Are You a Robot? This is a series where we aim to tackle some of the greatest questions that stem from AI and related technologies. I am your host, Demetrios Brinkman. And the way that we are going about this is by gathering some of the best and brightest minds, the people that are working on really cool stuff. And we're asking them on here to talk with me about what it is they're doing, how they see the state of affairs, if there's anything that we need to be especially vigilant on. And then we have a conversation. The conversation does not stop here, though. If you would like to continue with the conversation or we want to bring up any kind of questions or comments that you here that are related to the themes and topics we talk about on the show, I encourage you to jump into our Slack channel where we've created a nice community. You can find the link to that Slack channel in the description. And yeah, come introduce yourself. Let us know what makes you tick and what you thought about the episode and let's have a conversation. Last but not least, I want to mention our sponsors. Ethics Grade has been with us from the very beginning. They're doing some incredible stuff when it comes to ESG ratings. More specifically, they are looking at the AI ethics programs of different companies that we've all heard of and may love, may hate, depends on the company. You can go and download the scorecards where they rate these different companies on six different attributes and you get to see what exactly this company is doing in reality. Maybe they say that they have a strong data privacy policy, but are they upholding that? Ethics Grade can tell you all of that and more. Just check them out at ethicsgrade.io to find out more information. You can check the link out below. And that's it. Let's jump into the conversation with Caroline. Are you a robot? Well, welcome to the podcast, and I am very excited to talk with you. It is always interesting when I'm doing my research on someone and they advertise themselves as the founder and head rebel mm -hmm. of a company. I would love to know a little bit more about your background and how you ended up where you are today. Um, it's a colorful story for sure as most stories are. Um, I think I spent my whole life not fitting in. Uh, it started early on because I am the oldest of four. Uh, my dad is in the Navy, so we we're always moving every year. So every year you're in a new, a new city, a new school, and you're like the new kids. Um, so I learned very quickly, also because we came from a big family with four kids, and I had twin brothers, and my mom was from the Netherlands, so she had an accent. So all of these things combined, and we all had weird names. You know, we didn't have like names like Max, Amanda, Susie. We had, you know, my name is Caroline. I, my brothers are Cedric, Dylan, and Rupert. 
So you can imagine that we sort of walked in, we were set up for um, not fitting in from the get-go. And that is a value that has played its way into my whole life. Um, I've never really done anything that other people have expected me to do, but somehow I'm doing all of the things now that I'm supposed to be doing, right? So all of the experiences I've had from um, changing schools, moving all the time, not um, uh, getting expelled from university the first time, um, going to work and then going through the community college experience because my credits were too old, and then going back and finally getting my bachelor's when I was 36, being a self-taught techie, loading airplanes, having worked as a bouncer, um, you name it, has all formed me into the person that I am today and into my company. And three years ago, um, I was still working for Microsoft, um, Microsoft Netherlands, and with an inevitable reorg came the news, you know, your, your position is up. Um, we can get you a recruiter and you have six months. And at that time I was, uh, had been piloting, um, the Azure Academy, which was to teach women data science skills. So first it was a pilot and I was coached. I was learning it. I was doing it. And I was, I was getting these 24 women through it as well. And I was like, I'm doing exactly what I'm meant to be doing. So I don't need that recruiter. I'm just going to go do it elsewhere. And the HR person and the manager looked at me like, that's not the answer we were expecting. And I'm like, where do I need to sign? Um, and, I, and I'm going to finish, you know, I want to finish the Azure Academy because we're right in the middle. And they were like, oh, oh, you would do that? And I'm like, of course, I, you know. And um, and then I walked out of there, went back to the Academy, went uh, with the day's material. And as soon as my last student had turned in her machine learning capstone, I made the appointment to go and incorporate and to start my company with the goal that if we want to change who's working in tech and what's being built, you have to do it openly and it has to be hands-on. It's not enough to just say, okay, we're going to start this program, go learn it, go to a boot camp. When you come out, you'll be hired and you'll be skilled. And I knew that if we, if we, if it was already difficult, if we're looking at technology and the technology workforce, and they're already, um, you know, pretty homogenous, then how could I mix that up even further? And I was like, when I started to do this myself with my company and started to build it, I was like, I don't, women are one part of the equation, but inclusion is a lot bigger than that. It's a lot bigger than gender. And I was like, let's mix this up. And now we're on our seventh cohort we'll be starting. And we have people from, we have, you know, people who are over 50, which in the Netherlands is kind of considered like, you're no longer useful to society. So go get your early pension and don't bother about reskilling. Just, just enjoy the time that you have. Um, to, you know, parents returning to the workforce, to people coming out of the migration and the refugee uh, streams, to people who were just told, 
their whole lives, you don't really belong in tech or you're not smart enough for that, to people who just want to grab a chance to do something different and they're fascinated, you know, and they'll take that chance. And that's three years fast forward. So that was in 2018, fast forward to now. And um, that's what we do. And the we have built a community. And the head rebel portion of it is, first of all, I want people to know when they walk through the door, um, it's not business as usual. So if you come in, whatever information you're coming in with and whatever experience and, and competencies, expect to be challenged because challenge is how we grow. So I'm going to ask, you know, you're going to get questions that mm-hmm. other people might not ask you. You're going to, you, you're going to get um, a different way of thinking, but also you're going to get that sense that being, hopefully that being here is a place for you to belong, that you can bring all of the parts of you that don't fit in the, because the Dutch really like categories and they like everything to be very neatly placed in, in a grouping, right? And it's in, in the Dutch word for it is hokje. And um, it's a kind of also a mindset. And what's important for me to know, what's important for you to know is that you can break through all of those here in my classroom and in, in, in the company. This is a place for you to grow and flourish and to be yourself. And I, I also want to save time for people who will be uncomfortable with that, like really uncomfortable. Like there's another tech consultancy company down the road that's probably a better fit for you. But here is where the ideas come to play and where uh-huh. people come to play and to grow. Can you give us some examples of some of these challenging questions that you ask or some pushback that you give? Yes, I, I'm happy to. So um, ethics are a huge thing in how we look at the world, right? From the values that we carry as a community to how we choose the projects that we work on, the, the products that we build, um, how we how we ex- how we resonate and connect with our community outside of our core community. And one of the things that I'm known for asking is well, what makes you think that? And so like, for example, recently I was in a work group that was talking about women's entrepreneurship in the EU and, you know, how the funding models and the funding is a problem and all, all the rest of that stuff. And, and that the, you know, the representatives from the various people with capital are like, well, you know, um, Lending to women is more risky. They don't take as they don't take as much, you know, based on our, our models and, and the research that we've done. And so I listened like for about three minutes before I couldn't stop myself anymore. And I said, what if your models are wrong? And they were like, what do you mean by that? And I'm like, well, I'm a data person and I know that a model is only as good as what goes the data that goes into it. And if you're not lending to women now, where are you getting the data on the repayment behavior of women? I said, I don't think that you are. I said, I would be willing to guess that your models are based on and trained on the repayment and the lending behavior of who you are lending to. I said, and that is men. So you're making policy and taking a position in society 
based on faulty data models. I said, do you want to talk about that some more? And they were like, um, I think we'll go on to the, <laughs> the next topic. Uh, but it's things like that. It's um, things like when I ask people, when people are really deeply concerned about the bias that exists in data and AI, and I'm like, okay, but what are you doing to solve it? What are you doing? Data, working with data allows us to have a certain degree of distance from from what's really happening, right? We're, 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 we're looking into it, we're asking questions of it, we're exploring it, we're trying out theories, but we're not connected. So you can look at um, the bias in, in data and AI, but it doesn't make a difference if you're not actually connecting to the real societal problem. We did um, a hackathon recently for discrimination in the labor market, and the 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 goal was that you would use data or AI to st to help obliterate that. And in our follow up conversations, because we placed second, our follow up conversations, one of the conversations that kept coming up was, "But this is not a technical enough solution that you're building." And I said, well, labor market discrimination is not just a is technical problem. It's a problem because candidates mm. don't come through into the, the screening process. It's a problem because people interviewing those candidates don't take a moment. I said, it's not something just to be solved with algorithms. I was like, you can put a high tech solution on it, but you're not going to solve the societal problem. That, that didn't go over so well. Um, but it's, those are the types of things. Cause I, I want to know, I want to know why people think the way they do. Cause it, I'm curious, I'm curious about everything. And that can be dis that can be discomforting, you know, for a lot of people. Um, it's certainly, um, because we're, yeah, it pushes the edges a little bit. But if we don't push the edges, we never get to the, the underlying source of the problem. I completely agree with you 100%. I noticed that the Do Good Company has four core values mm -hmm. that you've chosen. Yeah. And I was wondering why you chose those four. Um, they're the most important things that we can stand for. Uh, when we talk about inclusion, a lot of people are like, well, do you mean diversity? And I'm like, no, I'm beyond diversity and I'm off to inclusion because to me, inclusion is more of an action. It's a series of actions. It's a continual thing. I'm also kind of over that word. So I'm looking for the next word that really captures it. But right now, inclusion will work with it for, for now. But the idea that everyone feels like one of my employees was asked, why do you like working here? And she said, because it feels like coming home. It feels like I can be myself here. Sometimes it goes a little too far, but you know, it's like, but it's, it's, she's like, it's a sense of home. It's a sense that, and, and when I'm here and she's like, I've never had that at another, another place where I've worked. But inclusion is key because we've been um, a lot of times you know, when we're dealing with organizations, they're like, well, I'd really like to send, you know, more students to you or people to learn those skills, but I need you to focus on our group. 
So I need you to focus on only teaching women or only teaching refugees or only teaching people over 50. And I'm like, no, because that doesn't work. Anytime you put people in those categories again, then you decrease their ability to grow, right? Because they're constantly surrounded by people just like them and having the same thing. You, it needs to be a really rich mix. Um, it should be a smorgasbord. Um, so inclusion is critical for us because we don't shut the door on anyone. Um, trust is really critical for us because without trust, nobody grows. Without trust, if you don't trust me, you're not going to ask me and say, when you see something in a data set or in an algorithm that could potentially cause harm, because you're afraid. If you don't have a culture of trust, people aren't, don't feel that they can speak up and be themselves or bring their ideas to you or to say, this is not working for me or I want to do something different. So you have to have, you have, to have that if you want to get anywhere. And that's something that, that people take for granted. Um, curiosity, because of the fact that if you're not asking questions or looking at the world and with open eyes, then that may work for you but it means that you won't bring your full self to your work. And I want that. I want you to, to be able to bring all of those off the wall, what other people would say are off the wall questions, because that's where cool stuff comes out of. And then honor, because it's so important mm -hmm. that you walk your talk. And for me, Honor may be an old-fashioned word. It has a lot of associations with it, like knights on the right round table, and you know, I'll have a duel with you for offending my honor and all that other stuff. But honor is doing the right thing all the time, even when it's hard, even when you could be so much more successful by other people's definitions, or you could get somewhere faster by taking a shortcut or signing a deal with a potential partner that is really, it's just all about message washing. So, and we need that in our community because everyone in our community is holding the door open for someone else. And if we're not operating on those same standards Amazing. with each other, then what we might, we might as well just go, you know, do other things. And we call that our itch score. Can you talk? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, could you talk a little bit about what some of these different barriers that you've come across that don't allow like women or people of, of color or uh, minority groups or people with disabilities to get into tech? What are some of these barriers that you've seen stop them? Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a lack of training programs. So let's, let's be perfectly clear. Um, I think that there's, you know, especially it seems like every time I turn around, there's an, another initiative starting somewhere um, meant to, to reach out and help teach people to, to get these skills. And, you know, that can only keep growing. What I think fundamentally is the biggest barrier is the fact that people are not hiring from these programs. And I think that 
that you know i i have a i have here's a, a, a this is a conversation that does not make me popular um is when i call out companies and say it's great that you support you know programming for this or program women in programming or all the rest of this but how many people have you hired from these programs that you support with your grant from your corporate social responsibility or your, or your gift giving or, or whatever. And they like, look at me and I'm like, because hiring someone is where the difference comes into play. Hiring, developing and cultivating that person is where the difference comes into play. And if you want to change that, then you need to get off your ass and start hiring. And beyond hiring, you need to make sure that people grow in your organization and can bring others with them. Nobody wants to be the token other, right? And and it's like, there's this debate, well, you know, well, we couldn't find enough women or we could only find one woman or we have one woman or we have one refugee or we have one this. And it's like, it's just bullshit. It's just absolute bullshit. You can find the people. You just need to change the way you look for people. You need to change the, you need to change all of the systems around it. And if you're not willing to do that, then okay. But as far as I'm concerned, then that's your choice. Know that you're making that choice consciously because you are. So my if you you notice this also when you look at the the statistics you know or the reports every year about how many women or how many people of color or how many lgbtq or how many you know all of the other categories the diversity bingo the percentages never change and they don't change because of two things number one the people you're not changing who you're hiring enough but the second part of it is you're not changing the culture that you're hiring them into for them to thrive. Women get promoted because an organ, women in tech in particular, they shuffle from, they migrate from one company to another because the next tech company sucks slightly less than the one I'm leaving. And it's the same for people who have a refugee background. It's the same for people who have uh, mobility issues. It's you go from one company that just one environment that just poisons you slightly less than the one before and, and you call it good and you keep making those survival hops. So I would say to you for long-term actual real change, first of all, I'd ask the question, do the existing organizations really want that change? Because I have a feeling that that's not really, uh, I have a feeling that it's a lot of, well, this is the right message that we should be saying, but when it comes to action, again, we're leaving that behind, but make sure that you are developing and nurturing and cultivating your talent and saying no to the practices that are harmful. It's not up to me as somebody who's different to change your entire culture. It's up to you as a leader in your culture and in your organization to change your culture, to set the tone that you want to be reflected. And it's not something that you can reverse engineer, right? So when I hear, mm. when I hear startups and scale-ups and all of that go, yeah, when we get to X point of funding, 
you know, then we'll focus on, you know, the diversity and all those initiatives. No, you won't. You either plan it in, it's a deliberate, again, it's a deliberate action you plan it in from the beginning, or you don't do it at all. Hmm. It's uh, very interesting that you mentioned that because just yesterday I was talking with Kelly, who is a recruiter specifically for data scientists. And we were asking about this, or I was asking her about these questions and a little bit more of these tough questions. And she was telling me how there's a lot of lip service out there right now, Mm -hmm. which echoes your statements. And, And she also mentioned how it needs to be in the DNA of a company. It can't be something that they just do because it will make them look good. Because all of this is just fake, yeah. right? And at the end of the day, it's not really going to be productive and people will see through it. And so I'm actually, I want to ask you the same question that I asked her, which is a little bit, so it's a hypothetical scenario. Mm-hmm. And I know that we can get into trouble when we're talking hypotheticals because who knows, there's a million different ways that hypotheticals can be uh, hypothetical or there's X factors involved in it. But I do know that I've talked to some companies that are these startups and they are trying to hire the, the best out there. Mm-hmm. And they don't hire, if you look at their teams, they're only the typical like white men. Mm-hmm. And so then you say, well, what's, where's the diversity? And why haven't you hired mm-hmm. any women? And I've gotten responses such as, well, we've tried really hard and we've found that the women that are out there, there's first of all, there's a smaller pool of people to choose from. And then second of all, the women that we have been hiring or interviewing, I should say, they they know that they're very highly sought after. And so then they do a few things that made us think, well, they wouldn't be a good cultural fit. So that's a little background information mm-hmm. right there. And mm-hmm. think what you want on it, right? I know I'm sure you have statements on that <laughs> and I'll let you get to it. But I'm wondering in these situations where maybe there is a this hypothetical situation where you have a startup that has the different candidates that they're looking at and inevitably there's more men that they're looking at and than people of diverse or the the other as you like to call it I love that you say it that way and it's like because it's it's very interesting how we just bunch everyone into this category of other and then say, well, let's get some diversity and let's choose from one of that group. And so looking at this situation and there is a startup or there's a company that wants to hire someone, they have more males that they feel are qualified for the the job and the females that they feel are are qualified for the job may not be as qualified in a way that they think uh, would be best for the company. And so in those situations, I really, I wonder, do you 
go with a female because you need to have that diversity and it is going to pay off dividends. Maybe they're not the best coder you've ever seen, but the like you said, the ideas that someone with a diverse background will bring can be much more powerful than just being able to create an amazing algorithm. And so do you go with that because of these the different strengths that someone can bring that aren't necessarily so obvious in a coding interview or something like that? Or do you do you default because you know this this one they checked all the boxes when it came to the tech side. So I'm going to throw a question right back at you before I answer that one. Who's to say that any of your male candidates are that fantastic of coders in comparison? Are you, are you, are you measuring, are you giving yeah, all think- your candidates an inter- a, a skills test? Or are you going strictly on how they present themselves or how they talk about it? Because if you look at, um, if you look at the criteria, if you look at the research and the studies and the criteria, there is a difference in how we express ourselves as men versus women. That men are more likely to to be more comfortable talking about I have that skill, I have that skill, I can do all of that. Nobody ever uses that. So first of all, before you get even to the gender piece of it, my question would be like, when you're bringing these candidates into this process, are they getting a skills assessment? Because that has a, a skills assessment that actually tests for the knowledge that they're for the work that they're going to need to do. Then the second place I would look at it is you can tell me that someone's not a cultural fit or all of these other reasons. And I'm going to ask you, do you really need more of you? Or are you are you not enough? Right. Do you do you really? It, it, do you, what does that come back to? Is it comfort? Is it is it that you don't you feel you know is that coded language for saying I don't know how to talk to somebody who doesn't look like me because that's that's stuff you could work on, you know what is what is holding you into what is holding you into this space? What do you really mean by cultural fit? And third of all, anybody who believes that a developer or other technical person, data scientist, machine learning engineer, whatever comes into a job, any hiring manager or interview man- or, or who believes that that person has all of the knowledge that they need to do that job from day one is smoking something. The people come into your organization and stay with your organization because what you're doing resonates with them because it's exciting. It's not a place where they can learn. It's a place where they can take on more responsibility. It's a place where they can dig in. There's these massive things now called search engines, which most people use, especially in IT, to figure out, you know, I'm getting this problem. Why am I getting this error? This is also some of this, this, this narrative that we need to actually just stop with. The idea that a developer or that a technical person has all of it up here. No, what the number one skill that any good technical person needs to have is Coming back to curiosity, do I know how to start looking for an answer? Do I know how to start solving for a problem? And it doesn't matter whether you're doing that in Python, in R, .NET, doesn't matter. It's do I know how to start solving for that problem? So when you look at things from that perspective, then I kind of think that your argument, your hypotheticals don't really 
make sense anymore in that sense, because I know it's not so much of a hypothetical. I know it happens all the time, but this whole fear that if we hire someone who doesn't look like us or doesn't, you know, eat, drink the same beer as us or can't participate in the Friday afternoon rituals like we do, this whole fear is that by hiring someone who doesn't fit into that, we're somehow having, losing something of ourselves, right? It's like the idea that if, if, if I support gay rights, then somehow I'm undermining, like in what was common in the United States, the argument was, well, if you're for gay marriage, you're against my marriage, you know? And it's like the expansion of something, the expansion of opportunity, the expansion of rights, the expansion of a place in society does not take away from anyone else. It's expansion. So to all these startups and scale-ups and regular-sized organizations who have this belief that somehow going in a different direction is going to take away from my success, need to really consider how are they defining their success. Because if your success is that fragile, that adding these dimensions to your, to your workplace can cause the whole thing to go under, then you have other problems, right? So I don't buy into any of that. I know it's there. I've, I've experienced it. My community experiences it, but I don't buy into it. It's just an excuse. And which is exactly why I asked well, you, and, you would have thoughts on it. The other thing that is part of that is we have bought in, we, people continually try to feed us this model that this is the only way to succeed. It's the same thing with startups. It's not the focus on, are you building something that is long-term sustainable and is a business that can stand on its own and, and, and creates, you know, the impact that you want to have doesn't all have to be that everybody defines impact differently. It's this, well, you've got to come up with this idea. You've got to get it tested. You've got to have a lot of pop and around it. And you've got to be securing investment for it all the way so that you can get to a super great exit and, you know, be the next thing. There's all that hype that plays into it, too. It doesn't have to be that way either. You know, you, and for startups who, who think that, you know, they have to have the best talent ever to survive, I would be more interested and as somebody who's, you know, living, walking, walking that tightrope every day, I'm way more interested in, am I building my company and my organization to exist for the long run? Not, am I trying to build this pressure cooker to get acquired by somebody else so that somebody, and then I go on and do something else. No, I am building my empire, if you will, for the long run. And that's a very different focus. And it doesn't do me any good to have mm. a constant churn and turnover in also in a startup. But the, again, it's things are, it's where you focus and what's important to you. And do you question through the hype? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a very important point that you said there at the end, the questioning of why you're doing something and why you feel this way about something and really reflecting on your own rationale as to why it has to be one way and not another. 
It's all about power. It's all about power. And it doesn't have to be one way. It's that we have been messaged or seen that this particular one way is the way to be successful. This is the easiest way because this is where the things that are already defined. And it doesn't have to be that way. We all are capable of saying, I'm going to make this decision for myself. I am going to make a choice and, and I am going to take accountability and stand behind that choice that I'm making instead of letting that choice for me be decided by a recommender or sentiment analysis or, you know, the low, you know, things like that. It's I am taking control of my life and my existence and the impact that I have on this planet every day. And I am making those those choices. So at Do Good Only Company, do you try to partner with different corporations or companies, startups to help the idea that you were talking about, like the breaking down the barriers of this recruiting and making sure that companies that are out there talking about these things and talking about how how interested they are in these things, they actually walk the talk? Um, it's a, I love this question um, because it gives me so much opportunity to um, talk about how it can be different. First of all, I believe in conversation above everything. So you could be, you can have complete polar opposite views, experiences, and thoughts. If you walk into my lab, I want to, I'm going to have that conversation with you. So, and that already for a lot of people are like, whoa, that's kind of weird, but I want to know, I want to know what, why you think the way you do, what leads you to think, how can, you know, where are the similarities, but then where are the differences and what is really behind all of these things? And if I don't know, and I'm not willing to have that conversation with you, then I need to not be doing the things that I'm doing. Because as long as I'm not listening to you, I'm also not practicing inclusion. As long as I'm staying in my bubble, then I am not any different than the, the people who are in, in another bubble. So let me first say that I will always have the conversation. Beyond the conversation, before in, in moving beyond the conversation and moving into actually doing things with other organizations, then it becomes a different story. Then for you, if you're not walking your talk, there's very little for us to do together. If you want to learn how to make it a reality, or you want to learn to take those steps and you're willing to do something about it, again, let's, I'm, I'm more than willing to, to put my time and energy and my community into it. If you are not, I will tell you no. And I will tell, I will tell you exactly why I will tell you no. And I've had companies that have found that really bizarre. They're like, but I can do so much more for you because I am, you know, 17 times your size. And, you know, partnering with you, partnering with us is only going to be good for you. And, you know, and then they come with all of the usual sort of like um, ways to try and convince you. And I'm like, we're not for sale. And with the name of the company that we have, it should be glaringly obvious to you that we're not for sale in that sense of we really, everything we do has to match. We have to live up to that name. 
And so I've had companies, I, I have made, and, and I say it and I tell them, and then I tell my community also, okay, we're not, I've chosen not to go further with this company. And these are the reasons why. I, my decision for us as a community does not limit you. So if you decide that that's a company you would like to work for, because my goal, of course, is always that people stream through to a permanent employer or their next long-term employer, then let me know how I can support you because I will support you on your track. It's your, your, your choices and I, we support those. Um, I don't do, I don't participate in all of the events that you probably should to get recognition. Oh, look, all of these initiatives are doing this and, you know, come stand over here with this elected official. And I don't do any of that shit um, because I don't have time for it and I don't care. Um, and when organizations come to me and say, can we work together? The first thing I ask them is, is say, tell me what it is that you've been doing for the past year. And if the, if there's not enough action in there, and I'm not talking, then I would say, okay, um, we're not a good fit for each other because my company is super action oriented and I don't have time to bring us into things where, um, that it's not action oriented. The other thing is we focus on building more communities. So we, everything we do is build with. So I go out and I look, I specifically focus on female founders and social impact projects for, to find the paying projects that support my trainees out of our lab and out of our training programs, because I can use the power and knowledge of these fantastic group of data professionals that have been working so hard to learn all of this stuff to help strengthen the female founder and social impact ecosystem. Because that's a market that nobody goes to. Because they're like, you know, if you're, you know, it's not interesting, there's not enough dollars, whatever, not enough euros. So, and that's a, so we build, we create that ecosystem where by building and giving them access, maybe they'll get a chance to get to a round of funding. Maybe they'll get a chance to get included for an incubator. So I'm very conscious with who and where we focus uh, as far as the work that we do, because all of the work, all of the work, all of the paid work that we do supports our, pro our lab programs, our training programs so that we can teach people and keep teaching people. But it has to be the right work Right. It has to be it has to be the work that resonates that that these people see the value in what we're doing and understand why. And we have to be able to deliver value to them. We're not a nonprofit. We're not a you know, we're not a we're not a. a and in the Netherlands, you can only be either a nonprofit or a for profit. They're, they're working on other forms. But in the meantime, those are the two. So when I tell people, I'm like, I have 20 people on my payroll. And it's important that I can keep bringing in these projects so that I can keep paying for them because the people who join our, the people who are on my payroll or come through our programs, they have an average unemployment time of five or six years. So getting them back into the labor market, getting them into the labor market with the skills for today and tomorrow and building on their knowledge and competency already, it's critical that they could be support. You know, I have to, we have to be a business. So, but it is a very conscious choice on who I focus on.
Have you seen any examples of technology that has empowered this, uh, these certain groups that are, have been m marginalized? I think if you go into communities themselves and take a look at some of the things that they're building on their own or in passion projects or, or however you want to call it, you start to see tremendous amounts of change. You know, when people ask me about the lab and they say, well, don't you want to grow to all these all these countries? And I said, no, what I really would like is that people come from their own communities, come and go to the lab, you know, learn all of these skills and then say, I want to set this lab up in my community and where we're teaching this locally, where we're teaching so that we can we can claim this knowledge and utilize this knowledge. And I think so, like when we were doing the hackathon experience, um, the, we did it with two teams from our community and the one that we play second with the, the judges in the presentation, they asked me if the photos were real. And I said, what do you mean? I'm sorry. What do you mean by that? She goes, well, you have a picture of your team there on the, on the solution. She goes, is that, a, is that a real photo? I said, what do you mean a real photo? I'm like, I, are you asking me if these are the people on my team? She said, well, yes. I said, hell yes, they are. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, and the reason that we're uniquely qualified, they're uniquely qualified to be building this solution is every single one of them has experienced discrimination in the labor market. And we are building that. So because they've experienced it. So we were, we're not building, you know, we're building it out of experience and that's critical and they're building it themselves. I'm steering, but they're building it themselves and they're continuing to, we're continuing to build it with the community that everything we, everything, you just have to look harder and more importantly, you have to make sure that the knowledge gets into a community. This is the problem with data and AI. One of the problems, data and AI. It's knowledge that's held in a very specialized group. And it isn't that there aren't people who aren't wanting to see it do the right thing in that group, but very rarely is it expanded to include the communities that could be impacted by it. Because we're coming at it from this position that we are we are ethically minded individuals and we are, you know, oriented towards this and we need to kind of make sure that it doesn't go completely off the rails. But we are failing to transfer that knowledge and stopping and saying to community, saying, where for you, what is data justice? What is a problem in your in, in your community? Where and there this is where there's I there's some fantastic points in the book Data Feminism um, by Catherine D'Ignazio and Lauren Klein. They talk they talk they highlight projects, particularly in the United States, where the communities push back for every time a university wanted to send data-minded people to them and said, you need to leave this knowledge in the community. In exchange for what you want to get out of us, you need to teach us how to do this. And when I was reading that, I was so like, so like, oh God, yes, 
more, 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 more of those things, right, need to happen. And But this is key. This is a key part of if we really want to change the future of data and AI, then we need to stop with holding the knowledge only for if you studied at a high high university or if you've you know you found your way through that spectrum we need to open it up because otherwise we'll keep getting I stuff that is as relevant yeah it makes complete sense and it feels like the idea of, yeah, you need subject matter experts involved in any data product and who better to know about this than people who have felt the effects of it in when trying to go out and get a job. So I think it's probably worth you explaining about the lab and what that is. Yeah. Uh, this was one of my going to be one of my first questions, but we jumped right into the nitty gritty <laughs> right away. Yeah. So it was poor form on my part, but I, it would probably be good for everyone listening because they're probably thinking, what is this lab that you're speaking of? Uh, am I growing like, you know, stem cells or whatever? I like to think of it, I'm growing revolution. Um, the Skills yeah. Up Lab is the program that we run um, it is a lab. It is our classroom um, in an old in an old um, police station, which makes it even funnier. Um, that where we teach people practical data science and AI, we run an open program, so you can be, you know, it doesn't matter where if you have a degree or you don't. It doesn't matter what your native language is. It doesn't matter where um, where you come from. Um, and we run this program and it's uh, the first four months are heavy, heavy data and data visualization, data analysis, learning Python, stuff like that. Um, and, and then all of the skills that you need to learn about yourself and what are your strengths. And we call those power skills. So we run that on top of it. And then we offer, if you make it through that part of it, we offer you a paid traineeship for up to a year with my, with the company, with the Do Good Only company. So you're getting your first employer in the field. You may be getting your first employer in a long time. Like I said, on average, people have five to six years unemployment history. Um, you may be getting your first employer in the Netherlands, which is a big deal um, because the, the Netherlands is, is a, a, a country with low appetite for risk. So once you have a job, as in anywhere, it's always easier to find a job, right? Um, and in that year, you progressively keep, you learn, you learn to teach the next cohort, so you're transferring your knowledge. So the community is invested in each other in layers, so it's not a rock star boot camp. If you are a rock star, we are definitely not the place for you. Um, and then they, you go from 80% of your time on internal learning to switching to 80% of your time on external learning and building things like what we're building for the, the anti-discrimination labor market. We have another project that's focused on women's empowerment on high, bringing the data to life there. And that's project sunlight. And then we have, um, you know, all of the other in between projects that we do for, to, to help other female founders and social entrepreneurs or uh, social impact projects come to light. And so you, and in that like 
relatively almost 18 months that you're with us, the goal is to get you to a long-term employer because I can't keep you forever. I got to make room for the next generation, right? Um, and also because that's never been that's never been our model to 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 tie people to us, to bind people to us. We want people people to come to us, get the knowledge that they need, share their knowledge like a harbor, and then sail on. And you can always come back. That's the point of the community. Um, but then in that time frame, we're busy helping you to try and get so that you get to that next next step, so that more organizations have diverse diverse data talent, right? It doesn't do me any good. I mean, it, I could operate from the principle that I could have the most diverse and inclusive data and AI team on the planet, but that doesn't do me, that's not what I want. I want more organizations to be great places and 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 open for, for the talent and perspectives. And so that's, a, that's the lab in a nutshell. Um, and then we also do then at night. So that's, we have run a day program three times a year and we run a night program uh, for teaching just AI with our trainees so that they can teach even more people. Um, and then, you know, our, my goal is just to keep growing from there and, and build it into a house of digital skills. So that's, that's the lab and that's, that's, it's a, it's a, very, it's what I love doing, actually. Mm. I find it fascinating, the usefulness of the way that you've architected this program, because I do know that, especially in data science, it is difficult to get that first job. Mm -hmm. But once you've gotten that first job, the door's open yeah. for you. And you're much more likely to be able to get more jobs and climb because there is such a shortage in the market. You can climb fast. And, and so it's fascinating that you can offer someone that first job. And like you said, it is not first job just anywhere. You're, you're being able to offer someone the first job in Holland, in the Netherlands. It is making it a much different job than if it were just some some random job that I found online and who knows the credibility of it or, or whatnot. Uh, I think that also has a huge effect, not only in the Netherlands, but in all of Europe and I'm sure in the US because it's like a when you think about the Netherlands, you think, okay, modernized yeah. Western society. And so it has a, a good reputation. Well, it's, so it's interesting. That, that is absolutely excellent, uh, the way that you are. It's interesting because the Dutch labor market is not inclusive at all. So there's a big reputation for tolerance, but tolerance and inclusion are two totally different things. But that's another story. But what's beautiful about the lab in particular is that these skills can go anywhere. So like a lot of, a lot of the projects that we do that are supporting the traineeships in the lab are from outside the Dutch borders because it's a tiny country. So if, they, you know, if we were, if we weren't able to go across those borders, um, we would have less, we would be able, we wouldn't be able to offer as many traineeships. So it's a, a way also because your skills should be transferable, right? 
you may be in the Netherlands today and you may be somewhere else tomorrow, but the bottom line is the skills that you're learning and that you're taking away mean that your chances of long-term unemployment in the future are significantly reduced. The idea that you will, in whatever situation you find yourself next in, that you will have to go through another gap of like this one prior is significantly reduced. And that for us is what we consider sustainability, knowing that when people leave, go out our doors, the chances that they are going to ever be long-term unemployed again because, because of skills and knowledge and experience and having gotten a chance are significantly reduced. Health, family, that's those are all other things I can't control for, but because of the because of those mm. things. And that makes a difference because you can keep building on these skills. It, and, the, and we focus everything on being able to use these skills in the workplace today, right? There's lots of people with PhDs and lots of big degrees and know a lot of theory and can architect lots of cool stuff. But the, da- the day-to-day use of data and AI is way smaller scale than that. It just needs to be relevant and make a difference and not do harm and help that particular team reach its goal, right? So imparting people with the practical knowledge and the hands-on knowledge to be able to do that, to start to make that difference, it means that for an employer, they have value because they can be assigned to do something. They can start contributing. And that's really what people want. We want to know that the work that we're doing means something that has purpose. Nobody wants to be hired to be the token. Mm-hmm. Yes. 100% again, agree with you. I have a few last questions and then sure. we're going to wrap it up because okay. I don't want to keep you for too long. Uh, you have been very generous with your answers and your time. So is the program open to anyone? Yeah. I am imagining I know the answer to this. Yes. But <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. We don't do, you do accept like- everyone, but we are open to everyone to apply. And if we don't accept you, um, what we will do if we are doubting it, because we're doubting your motivation or other circumstances, we'll tell you to come and do take the power skills a cohort before So we get a chance for us both to know each other and you also leave with more knowledge because a lot of times when people feel their back is pressed up to against a wall, they're like, I'll do anything to get a job. I've heard that you're the place I have to come to if I want to get a job in IT. And I'm like, it's not true. But so we are open for everyone, but we select to apply and we, but we select based on that person. Because we are a community. Do you do, because I imagine it's uh, there's a price tag on the the learning yep. aspect. Yep. Do so you we do have, a do you have some like payback plan or something or scholarships? Yeah. Here's ask? here's how it works. And there are a lot of company, a lot of boot camps who will shake their heads when they hear this and be like, "Well, she's not going to last." Um, we follow a model where it is shared investment. So the person coming has uh, 20% of the cost is their own 
of the whole program cost. And the remaining 80% would be going to their employer when they left the program. That's a huge savings for any employer in the Dutch labor market because normally to go to a recruiter for somebody with data skills, you're paying three three x easily. But that's another story. However, um, we look at it this way: we don't want it to stand in the way. So if you come to us and you and and you co- you're only ever going to be asked for that twenty percent. So even when you get a traineeship, even I will, we will never say to you, you have to stay here to work it off. Each traineeship and and the and the and the program costs. That's an investment that we make that equivalent is equivalent to forty one thousand euros per head. Okay, so that means I have to know that I have to have enough projects coming in to be able to cover all of those heads, and that means also. If you are in, if you are come into our community, you have to be prepared to carry your weight in the community, right? This is why rock stars don't work with us because it don't work in our community because they're all about, I'm here. I want to get the data scientist title and I want to go off and be data scientist at the next big tech company. Awesome. There's lots of other programs for you, right? We are a community first and our community is about, and, and like I said earlier, everybody holds the door open for somebody else. So we that's how we follow a model if after your traineeship you leave us and there hasn't been we you were not able to get long-term work or everything else again you don't leave us with any debt it's 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 done and you earn a salary in the whole time that you're a trainee with us so we don't do free labor we don't do 15 percent of your paycheck for the next three years of your life we don't do any of that our model is, is we've asked you to pay 20 percent of the total cost and the rest will work it out either with an employer or we'll have to have the billable work and that you'll be able to to contribute to. So that's that's how we follow that's our model, that's how we follow it in finance. Everybody earns the same, everybody has the same number of hours in their contract, everybody progresses at the same rate, and the maximum differential between the lowest hourly wage and the max hourly wage in our company is four times. And everybody knows it. Hmm. It's all so. Talk open. to us about these. Talk to us a little bit about the projects that bring in money. And if someone wants to reach out to you to hire you for these services and and do good, how could they do that? So we have um, a couple of different ways. There's the datamatic, which is like the data laundromat. Um, and that's where for companies that don't have a data team or don't have a data team accessible, we're happy to take your data sets and clean them up for you, put them into useful format, do some dashboarding with you. And if you have a custom data question around that, we can dig into that and do like enrich it with da- external data, et cetera. The datamatic is the number one way that supports our traineeships. So you can think about it. I've got, you know, I've got a, an HR system, I've got a CRM system, and I've got, you know, a mailing list application, but none of my, how, what am I supposed to do with all of these things? We can stitch that together and make that data useful. Um, so those, the Datamatic is the biggest uh, service that, that supports the traineeships. The other projects that we do for like female founders and social impact, we are building um, a platform for uh, youth in detention 
a learning platform so that when they, and we're doing the data question around it, uh, we build prototypes of apps. We build prototypes of um, web shops. We build prototypes of all kinds of stuff to help female founders or social impact get their tech idea out so that they can take it further forward to either grow or to find more investors or stuff like that. Um, and then we build custom stuff like the stuff we're doing with values matching and the stuff we're doing with the labor market discrimination. But those are, those are the ways that if people um, want their data to, they want to get technology services with a flavor of hundred percent social return, then we're a really good place for them. And then if they say to me later, that person was so fantastic, I would love to hire them. What do you think? I'm like, come on in and talk to them. And if it's a good match, may you be married and go off together, you know? And they're not sacrificing. Last question for you, Caroline. Yeah. I've loved talking with you. I've loved the whole conversation. I really appreciate your viewpoint and your ability to transmit these ideas and the mission that you have is really incredible. Last question is, Caroline, are you a robot? Only on Saturday nights after too many cocktails. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you for coming on here. I really think what you are doing is amazing and I wish you all the best with it. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed the conversation.